0: Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. Imagine yourself exhausted from a hard day of work in bumper-to-bumper traffic when someone cuts you off. How do you respond? For a lot of us, our first instinct is to get angry and yell, but what if there was a better way? In this week's episode, Francis Chan points us to James one nineteen. He reminds us what it means to slow down and show grace in situations like these. And to approach things with the same grace and patience that god shows us we hope that this week your heart is filled with the peace of god that surpasses all understanding and you're brought to a closer place of worship and if you've been listening to the podcast for the last few weeks you've probably heard about the hundred cities training a new initiative from crazy love ywam kona Antioch Movement and Upper Room to train and equip young leaders to plant churches in the 100 most unreached cities in the U.S. Well, we are very excited to announce that the application deadline for the July training has been extended to Saturday, June 25th. We encourage you to stay tuned after today's teaching to hear a short message from Francis about this new program. For more information, you can head over to 100 Cities org. That's H-U-N-D-R-E-D cities dot org.
1: Just a verse that's been on my mind a lot, um, James 1.19 this week. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. How are you doing on this? Let every person be quick to hear, that like we're listeners and slow to speak. I forced myself at nine o'clock services to sit down the whole time, because I just have a tendency to just want to fix everything, change everything, like but maybe if I move faster and do more and speak louder. That'll change the world. <laughs> but, but here's my question, because this is what I wrestled with this week. I'm supposed to be slow to speak, and I found that I'm not lately. I'm quick to respond, quick to defend myself, and at times even quick to get angry, and that's where I caught myself. It's like, wow, that's really not good. But this slow to speak, here's my question. How can you be slow to speak or slow to respond if you look at your inbox and there's a a 100 messages waiting for you on your email, and you know that even if you started answering them right now as fast as you could, By the time you're done answering those 100, there'll be another 10 or 20 in there by then. So how in the world can we be slow to respond? Can we honestly look at every email and be quick to listen and and try to go, what is the heart of that person? Let me pray for her for a little bit and think through what she's trying to say. And then pray for her and ask God to reveal himself to her and then and then, you know, and then maybe respond, but slowly. How, how can you do that while you're getting texts at the same time? And you're getting tweeted, and you're, you're Facebook, you know, everyone's commenting, you got to get back to them. And then you notice, oh, I've got a voicemail, and then I've got a voicemail at work, and then I got to recording, you know, answering machine at home? And then I'm supposed to be slow to speak? How do you do that? Yeah. Help with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. But would you agree that there's not enough time in the day if we keep just I mean, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about myself, but then, then have, have you noticed our kids? You see how fast they can text now? <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable how quick they are to respond. It's like, what did you do? Oh, I just texted four people. Four people, that, that, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how many conversations and how fast their thumbs move. It's, it's, I've, I've never, I, I, I can't even do it. And now at school, the kids can text with their phone in their pocket. They don't even have to look, dead serious. They, they, because you're not allowed to in school. So they just stick their hand in their hand in their purse or in their backpack and they're just texting away. You know, they got to read and see who they're responding to, but then, you know, and I'm going, man, what is the world going to be like? So, so what, do we just give up on a verse like this? Because I tell you, if you are quick to speak, you will be quick to anger also. It's just, it just happens. And I've noticed in my own life, man, I'm just, I'm just responding. The moment someone says something, I've got an answer. Because I have to have an answer. Just to answer everybody. And so you've got people, oh yeah, and that's just the people that are, you know, <laughs> through the phone and text, it's, then there's real people that actually talk to you. I mean, it doesn't happen as often, but, <laughs> y- you know, like, uh, you know, then you've got lines, you know, it's, it's just, I, I don't know, I've, I've been really, uh, really wrestling with this and, and realizing, you know what, something just has to change, because Jesus couldn't have kept up with his emails. <laughs> no, honestly. There's not enough time. You, you, you can't. How, how could, you know, if, if Jesus walked the earth, could he have an email account and let everyone have access to him and then everyone text him and then, you know, now God in heaven, think praise God that he's omniscient and everything else, but Jesus limited by the flesh here on earth. There's just, you can't do this. And so something's gotta give. Something's gotta change. You know what I pulled off yesterday? I went a whole day without looking at my emails. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to try to make it through today, too. Not even look. Not even look. But then your heart starts pounding because you think tomorrow's going to stink. <laughs> yeah, you know? And I'm just going, no, no, no. I'm going to take control of my life one way or another. If you're not know, going to stop the emails, whatever, because. I gotta slow down I'm not gracious in my response I don't have time to listen to everything you know and so that means I've gotta slow something down because that means I'm not showing grace to the people who email me anyways you just wanna respond be quick to respond and sometimes it's it's a res- you ever responded and hit send and wish you didn't? That, I wish someone would invent a button that could take emails back, you know? I mean, how many times have we been too quick to respond and we've regretted it? And someone says something to you, boom, you just, it's, you caught me at the wrong moment or you caught me at a bad time, well, It's pretty much always a bad time now, right? Because we're always busy. Something's gotta change. And then our prayer lives start to suffer. And I've met very few people who have said that their prayer lives are getting longer and just more intense and focused. And yet I've met many people who are saying, man, I'm just scattered when I pray and I'm just throwing a quick thought and I'm not quick to listen. When, when, you, uh, when you have conversations with people, do you talk more than you listen? Are you anxious, do you find yourself anxious to get words out so you can move on to the next thing? Or are you quick to listen and go, man, I just wanna hear. Tell me, I wanna know what's going on in your heart. I'm, I'm, I'm all ears, I'm here to listen. When's the last time you felt like you were able to do that? It's sin. I I feel the need to just confess to you guys as your pastor that sin's really, really crept into my life in the form of pride because I find myself quick to defend myself. Um, and I, I was really convicted this week, um, in a great way, in a great way, not like, oh, poor me, but, but I was reading about David and that's when I thought, wow, okay, I'm pretty messed up right now. Um, cause I was looking at David and the way he responded to people and there was so much like peace and there was no stress. I don't, it doesn't seem like he had heart problems, um you know, on edge, you know, it's just, you see, except when he was in sin, Um, but I was reading about when when Saul was trying to kill him, and uh, remember that story of of, uh, Saul, Saul's going after David, God's put his blessing on David, and he pretty much took it off of Saul, remember that, Saul was king, Saul was getting all messed up, God anoints, you know, David, David, remember David and Goliath, little David, just, and he's going to be the king of Israel, and um, Saul goes after him, because David starts getting pretty popular, people love David more than they love Saul. And, uh, and suddenly he's doing some amazing things and Saul gets mad and decides he wants to kill David. And so he tries over and over again. And then there's that time when, uh, when David is hiding in a cave. He and his men are deep inside of a cave and Saul and his army are pursuing them. Then Saul, you know, and, and they're, you know David's hiding for his life. Saul happens to walk into the cave. But not because he's looking for David. Saul walks into the cave, why? Into the cave, why? Yeah, he to go to the bathroom. And they just went in caves, I guess, back then. And so he's in the cave. I don't know, read a magazine or something. And, and, uh, and David's men go, no way. There's Saul right there. And it says, the Lord has delivered your enemy into your hands. And uh, and David says, "No, I'm not going to do that." So he says, I'm like, "What?" His his grace, the graciousness, and um, he he decides not to kill Saul. He doesn't let his men touch Saul. In fact, David even cuts the corner of Saul's robe, and um, so that afterwards he could look at Saul. And in and First Samuel twenty four ten. He says, "Behold," David says to them. Behold, this day, your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave, and some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. He says, I'm not going to touch Saul. He tells his people, he goes, that's, that's God's anointed. Now, is this guy doing some evil things and wanting to kill me? Yeah, but that doesn't give me the right. I mean, God put him in that position. And I've been very careful about that with the Lord's anointed, Barack Obama. He's, he's, the, he's the president of our, of our country. You, you know, and, and so I've I got to be very, very careful and go, you know what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to support him. You know, and I'll confess, there was one county supervisor that uh, I said some negative things about who was very against our project, but you, you know what? That, that's not right. The Lord put her in position, and uh, who, who am I to bash someone that the Lord's put there and attack them? No matter how much they attack us, you just go, No. You know what, I'm not going to retaliate. And that was, that was David's attitude, is I'm not going to retaliate. And, and I also have to confess, you know, with, with pastors, some of you guys come from other churches and, and you want to come and tell me everything wrong about your previous pastor. You guys, don't talk to me about that. That's the Lord's anointed now, I understand if they've denied Jesus Christ or if they're preaching a perverted gospel that isn't truth, then there need to be warnings and we go to them in love and confront that. But let's be careful about the Lord's anointed. Um, and it's, it's interesting, um, you know, David says to... to um, Saul, he says, may the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand will not be against you. So here's what Saul says in response to that. He says to David in verse 17, you are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I've repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you've dealt well with me, and you didn't kill me when the Lord put me in your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. So isn't that cool? Saul's heart just goes, oh, wow. You know what? You're right, I'm messed up. God's gonna bless you, not me. You were forgiving, you did good, I did evil. Awesome story. Two chapters later, Saul tries to kill him again. <laughs> so much for that speech. Um, and uh, and I, I love this story because um, this time they're, they're sneaking up, on, you know, they're, they're trying to kill David again, and David sees Saul and his men, and God puts them in a deep sleep. And there's a spear right next to Saul's head as he's sleeping. And, um, and then his, uh, one of the guys that's with him, this guy, Abishai, in, uh, in 1 Samuel 26, he's one of his men, and he's with him, and I love this. 1 Samuel 26, verse 8, it says, Then Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now, please, let me pin him to the earth with one stroke of the spear. I will not strike him twice. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. (laughs) I don't even get that. (laughs) That's just hilarious. Come on, I promise. Just let me spear him, just stick it through him, you know, and pin him to the ground with the spear. I promise I won't do it twice. He was serious. I was like, okay, if you're only going to do it once. (laughs) It's so funny. And in verse 9, David says to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him. Or his day will come to die. Or he'll go down into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed that's crazy. He, he, he just had such a peace. He goes, Abishai, no, not even once. No, don't do it. He goes, look, this is the Lord's, an- the Lord's anointed. God took his anointing off of Saul. He put it on David. Saul was in sin. David was righteous. Well, so, so, but, but he goes, no, 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 that's not the issue. He's still king. So if he's there, you know what? I'm not going to touch him. I'm not going to hurt him. He goes, if God wants him dead, he'll die in battle. He'll die some other way, but this isn't my job. That's the king right now, and we need to show him some some respect, even though he's trying to kill me. And uh, so David explains that to him, shows him the spear, and says, look, I could have killed you. I didn't. And um, verse 21, so Saul gives another speech. He goes, I sinned. All right, return, my son David. I'll do you no harm because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Behold, I have acted foolishly and I've made a great mistake. And David answered and said, Here's the spear, O king. Let one of the young men come over and take it. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord gave you into my hand today and I would not put you, I I would not put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Behold, as your life was precious this day in my sight, so may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord, and may he deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, blessed be you, my son David. You will do many things and will succeed in them. So David went his way, and Saul returned to his place. So once again, Saul goes, man, you're right, I sinned, and I am not going to hurt you. Uh, you can come back to me. I'm so sorry. You were right. I was wrong. You were righteous. I was sinful. The next verse, David said in his heart, now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. So he didn't believe the speech for some reason. There is nothing better for me than that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. So, so, so David's not stupid. You know, He's not listening to his speech and go, oh, I want him over. He goes, Okay, he said that, but we better get out of here, you know, and let's go hide. But the, the just there there was just the confidence about David. And here's where it took it over the top was in 2nd Samuel. Okay, years later, all this is going on, you know, now now Saul's dead by this point. Second Samuel 16, you see David's David's graciousness again and his faith and his confidence in the Lord, his peace. This one's not. Second Samuel 16, verse 5. It says, Then when King David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul. So it was someone from Saul's descendants. Whose name was Shimei, the son of Girah. And as he came, he cursed continually, and he threw stones at David, and at all the servants of King David, and all the people, and all the mighty men who were on his right and his left. And, and Shimei said, as he cursed, get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, and you are a man of blood. So David's son now is trying to kill him. Now you've got this crazy man coming out, throwing rocks at him, cursing him. What does David do? Well, then there's Abishai, verse 9. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take his head. (laughs) Let me go over and take off his head. Um, Just once. No, let me go over and take off his head. And look at what the king says in verse 10. What the king said, What have I to do with you, sons of Zariah, if he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse. Who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjaminite. Leave him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me, and the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So David and his men went on the road while Shimei went along on the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and flung dust. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan and there he refreshed himself. Okay, that's over the top now. So this guy's cussing and throwing rocks at David. And so Abishai's like, just let me take his head off. And he goes, no, because maybe God told him to curse at me. What? maybe god told him to curse so so let me listen to what he's saying you know and i know he's throwing rocks and that's getting annoying but let's just keep walking and i'm just going to listen to this cursing that he's giving me because maybe this is of the lord or maybe the lord is doing this so that i just put up with it and then he'll bless me afterwards have you ever thought that way And so it says he just kept walking and they just let this guy throw rocks at him and curse at him. And so by the time they got there, they're going, they were exhausted. It's like, you know, you're just dodging the whole way. This guy's cursing you and you're, and he's going, no, maybe the Lord sent him and I want to hear what he has to say because maybe I need to hear some of this cursing or maybe it is that I'm just supposed to listen to this and show grace in return. And then God will bless me for that later. That's amazing to me. See, that's what, when I read that, I go, okay, I'm a mess right now. I, I don't have anyone trying to hunt me down. I don't have anyone throwing rocks at me. And I'm not showing this kind of grace. I'm not being quick to listen. David was quick to listen even to cursing someone confronted me on some stuff the other day. I go, you know what? Maybe if you had said it differently, I would have listened or I know it's my fault, but, but still maybe next time say a little night, you know, and then I read this. I go, never mind. Just, just swear at me. I, I should be, I should be this person of grace that ought to be able to listen, but it's, it's a sign of pride. And I know pride has crept into my life that I would defend myself so quickly and respond so quickly and get angry so quickly because it's not so much a defense of the name of Christ. It's a defense of me. And um, when we're quick to anger, it's, it's... And even the stress that some of us feel, it's lack of faith. It really is. We like to use words like stress because it sounds neutral. But no, it's, it's sinful. It's anxiety. When the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, anything, don't be stressed about anything, and something's got to change. I've made excuses like, well, I can't be slow to speak because you don't know, you don't know how many people I have to respond to, so I got I to I do it quickly, you know, it's just everything's just got to go, go, go. No, 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 that's, that's sin. I got I to gotta calm down. I got to quit thinking that I've got to save everyone or what. I got to slow down, calm down because I got to be able to listen to people again and really take the time to listen and, uh, and respond with love and grace and I'm not doing that. And uh, it, stress shows a lack of prayer. When, when you're anxious, He says, don't be anxious. Everything by prayer and petition. And so something's wrong with your prayer life. It's a sign of bigger things. Stress shows a lack of humility. Stress shows a lack of rejoicing. When you get stressed out, the first thing to go is rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And Again, I'll say rejoice. You can't rejoice and stress at the same time. And I've noticed that. I, I'm just taking myself too seriously, and maybe some of you are also. And we're, we're just quick, even, you know, all week, just thinking, okay, what am I going to say? I got, I you know, just so many things in my head, and the Lord just going, slow down. People tell you you're not allowed to. You can't. You got to do something right now. There's your enemy. He's right there in the cave with you. Now's the time. No, just slow down. Wait for the Lord. The Lord will do what He's going to do. Um, I thought it would be good if we just rejoiced for a little bit here. I caught myself this week on Friday. I was speaking at uh, Azusa Pacific and and um, they sang this big rejoicy song and I was like, you know, sing something mellow. I just want to veg and think about my problems and lift them to the Lord. I don't feel like praise the Lord. You know, I, I just, that was my attitude because that's what stress does to you. On Monday, I was speaking uh, down in LA and one of my, one of my old buddies from college, I hadn't seen in like 25 years. He was sitting in the front row. I'm like, no way, get up here. And we just started, you know, he's on stage in front of thousands of people and we're just having our little moment, just laughing. And I go, man, remember this, remember this. And, and, and I was just thinking back to college when everything was funny. Remember that? Just you could be, a, you could be so dumb and say the dumbest things and no one cares and you just laugh. And, and it was like, man, I miss that, you know? I miss just those dumb days where you just say whatever and, and, uh, and then every year you just less fewer and fewer things are funny anymore. And I don't want to be that person, you know, that doesn't rejoice and you, you lose. You lose to Satan and he gets you stressed out and not rejoicing. And suddenly you're not just sitting on the lap of daddy and everything's fine. Nothing to worry about. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, is Diana here? If Diana could come up and maybe she's back there. Um, come play on the keyboards a little bit. Thanks. And I'm just going to uh, I'm just going to read some passages of scripture, and remind us of what God's done for us. Um, in fact, don't don't read along. Trust me, I'm not going to make anything up. Um, <laughs> just just listen to it as as the very voice of God. Just picture God in heaven saying these words to you. Ephesians 2. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him, all of them. Because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to read that again. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, the God of all grace, all grace, the God of all grace, the God that you've sinned against over and over, but doesn't matter because he's the God of all grace. Other people won't let you forget your mistakes. Other people will not forgive you. Other people will get angry at you, but not the God of all grace. The God of all grace, he himself, after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. You've suffered for a little while, and you're going you're to be called into his eternal glory in Christ. The God of all grace. He himself, he will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Picture the God of all grace. What does that even look like? The picture the God of all grace himself restoring you and confirming you, and strengthening you, and establishing you. This is not just a friend putting his arm around you. This is the God of all grace saying, suffer for a little bit, and when this is over, I myself will restore you. I myself will confirm you. I myself will strengthen you, and I myself will establish you. To him be the dominion, forever and ever, amen. We don't have anything to worry about, okay? We suffer for a little bit. But this morning I thought maybe, maybe it's because we don't dwell on the grace that we have enough and therefore we're not showing grace like we should. And I know that's true in my life. Just to sit here and go, oh, you know what? God's been good. I was dead. I was following Satan. I was going to hell. And he rescued me. He sent his son to die on the cross and paid for everything. i am got to keep my eyes on him. And he's forgiven me for Everything. I've made a lot of mistakes and I've sinned against him a lot and I thank God that he's the God of all grace and that one day he'll establish me he'll confirm me he'll restore me he'll strengthen me what I keep trying to figure out what that's gonna look like how does God himself grab me and establish me and why do I even care about anyone else and what they think of me at that point you know and when we understand the grace of God maybe then we can show grace like David did and go God's got me doesn't matter who's cussing who's throwing rocks at me maybe God wanted that to happen it doesn't matter God's, God's got me So I'm excited about something that's starting in July. I know it's real soon, but I believe God is calling people to move to the Bay Area for a few months to learn about church planting and then to actually plant churches here. And so if there's anything in you that's feeling like maybe God is calling you to a change or a shift in life, it could be that he's calling you to join us as me and some other leaders are teaming up to raise up church planters, but to actually plant churches here in the
0: Bay Area. For more information, head over to hundredcities.org. That's H-U-N-D-R-E-D, cities,